Welcome to the fourth episode of Privacy Unpacked from Bird and Bird. I'm Mila Keller, joining today on this podcast as a guest host. I work as a lawyer at Delia, a Nordic and Baltic telco. I'm also hosting a podcast called Privacy Pod. I will be having a conversation today with Tobias and Berend, who are partners within the privacy and data protection team in Finland and the Netherlands. Hello, Tobias. Hi, Milla. And hi, Berend. Hi, Milla. Good to have you both here today. And in this episode, we will be discussing actually the Data Act. Data Act is one of the big five regulations coming from the EU right now. And Tobias, actually, where are we in the legislative process of the Data Act right now? Yeah, we're actually very far. It has been approved. A deal was struck. Yeah, yeah. For a long time, that was a little bit open. The deal was struck in June, and both the Parliament and the Council officially approved the deal. Council just a few weeks ago, and we're still waiting for the publication in the official journal. But it is going to come, and after 20 months of the publication, which probably will be in autumn 2025, it's going to be applicable. All right. So one and a half years, if I calculate really quickly with my lawyer map here. That 20 month, yeah, uh, sort of. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And okay, so it has been approved now. It has fared much better than the e-privacy regulation, uh, maybe better than the AI Act. That remains to be seen, I guess. But Berend, could you briefly describe the Data Act for those that have never heard of it? Sure. It's called the Data Act. And it is about data, but it is a very broad piece of legislation and broad in the sense that it covers a number of, I would say, on its own standing topics and themes, but all with the common denominator that it is about data. But if you ask me, it could have all been two or three or even four different pieces of legislation. So also for that reason, I will cover half of these obligations or themes, and Tobias will cover the remaining themes of the Data Act. So to start, a first set of obligations really is for the manufacturers, that they design their connected products in such a way that users can have an easy access to the data generated by the products. Secondly, that they also inform those users about the main characteristics of the product, in terms of what data is generated and how the user can access it. So it is really data access by design. It's a design thing, but also that if the users cannot readily access the data, that they have a right to request access to data generated by their IoT products, by their connected products. This might be a good moment for me to explain that this part of the Data Act is not only about connected products, but it's also about what's called related services. Now, related services are services that are services without which the connected product would be prevented from performing one or more of its core functionalities. An example of a related service could be a dashboard, which allows you to control the products, or an application for the same. These are also in scope, and the data that they generate is also in scope of these obligations under the Data Act. So I've talked about the obligations for designing and manufacturing uh, the products, that you need to open up that data for the users of the product. So they can be business users as well as consumers, natural persons. There's a third set of obligations and that's around third-party access. So this is when the user grants access 
to a third party to perform certain functionalities. So for example, if you have a machine and under, let's say, pre-data act scenarios, the machine could only be repaired, maintained by the manufacturer of the product following the data act, that's at least the goal. You can also engage a third party, not being the manufacturer, and sharing certain data that allows a third party to repair or maintain your connected product. So that's the third main obligation of this section of the data act, and that's allowing access. Access for the user is free, but access for such a third party would typically be under friend terms, so fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory terms. And of course, that's something that can open up to, uh, to litigation. I'll now hand over to uh, Tobias to cover the other parts of the data act. Yeah, that's the interesting part that everyone's talking about the connected devices, and that's a big part, but there's at least two, two, if not three other parts. And the first of those other parts is the access from the government to data that organizations have. That is as always in case of exception need, but usually also in cases of public emergency. And then the data holder must make data available. It also means already for, for some organization planning for that. Also, in some cases in of a non-public emergency, then if there's a specific task in the public interest, the data can also be asked from organizations, but that's only for non-personal data. That is a big part, and that was also discussed quite a lot. And then there's a whole other part, which is switching between data processing services. Data processing services are digital services enabling ubiquitous and on-demand network access to a shared pool of configurable, scalable, and elastic computing resources. In other words, cloud computing, which covers all types of cloud computing. And there's a whole range of obligations for data processing services in the Data Act, such as you need to remove obstacles, might they be technical, might they be contractual, and also contracts between a provider of data processing services and a customer must include certain clauses. And you could even see this as a sort of standard term control B2B, which in some member states is really, really new and unusual, for example, in Finland. And then there is also two other chapters, maybe you could briefly mention here. One is the rules on international data transfers. And so far, if they are used for governmental access, you can think of it of a, like a milder version of Article 48 GDPR for the privacy pros among us. So basically saying that a request should only be honored if based on international agreements. So if a foreign government would like to have some data, even non-personal data, then it should only be based on international agreement. But then there are a lot of loopholes provided. Plus in that chapter, also a lot of technical and organizational measures that organizations need to have in place to protect the data that are based in Europe. The last bit of, of the Data Act is on interoperability, and it applies for participants in data spaces, which is actually the commission is pushing quite ahead. Uh, health data spaces may be known to, to some, also some recent announcements there. Data spaces is basically an IT infrastructure to pool, access, process, and use data, share it with other in a, in a secure manner with the aim to make high quality data available to others. And this last chapter on interoperability includes certain minimum rules on data sets so that 
you need to basically document, describe the content, how to get access and so forth. Thank you both. I think that's one of the most important things really to understand about the Data Act, that instead of a completely, totally comprehensive set of rules, it has these quite distinctive parts actually. And going by the chapters, reading by the chapters in the beginning is a very useful way to get into this split of different parts in the Data Act. Yeah, I yeah. sometimes think, is it like a box of chocolates or is it even like only chocolates in the box or, or also something else like an orange, you know, or an, uh, something Yeah, you want, it, you want it just chocolate and you get also assortment of fruit, which is a bit disappointing, but <laughs> here we are. Depends on what you like. Yeah, indeed. But yeah, so we have the part about connected products and related services and the data sharing related to those. We have the governmental access to data, and then we have the interoperability part, or more like the switching between cloud services. So those, I would say, are the main parts. Berend, regarding this, these obligations related to connected products and related services, what kind of data exactly has to be then provided under these rules? Thanks. That's uh, the million dollar question almost. Like I said, if you talk about uh, connected products, there's an obligation to make uh, product data, related service data, including relevant metadata available. And that is based on the recitals, data which is not substantially modified. So data in raw form, source data, primary data, but also pre-processed data. So data that is processed for the purpose of making it understandable. What it doesn't cover is inferred data or data derived from source data, which is the result of uh, complex algorithms and so on. So values and insights are not covered, but I must say other than that, it's a pretty broad definition. When the data cannot be accessed directly from the connected product or the related service, you have to look at readily available data that should be made available to the user and where needed to the third party. And readily available data is data that the manufacturer itself can readily get off the device or the related service. And maybe a final thing to add, there are, as with any good law, also exemptions. You can rely on certain security exemptions or you can rely on trade secrets that prevent you as a manufacturer from providing certain data to either the user or a third party. But in many cases, that's done on a very much on a case-by-case basis. And you may also have an obligation to inform the competent authority of any refusal to share the data with the user or the data recipient, the third party. Mm, yeah, you mentioned that some of the data might be proprietary information of the company. And I think that's an interesting point because that's what organizations are looking at then that, okay, we have to share some of the data. We don't want to share all of the data. Can we refer to trade secrets? Can we refer to security issues? So it's it's going to be interesting to define what data to share. All of us on this call right now, we have an extensive background in privacy and data protection. Tobias, how do you see the Data Act's relation with the GDPR? Yeah, I, I would like to see them as equal, but that is actually not the case. It's very clear in the Data Act that the GDPR takes precedence. It is several times also stated that the Data Act does not establish an own legal basis for processing. That's relevant for the sharing, the part that Baron covered, 
and is both stated in the recitals and then for good measure again in the text in Article 5, which means that the full GDPR applies. Of course, it only applies if you have personal data. In case you have a mixed data set, however, the GDPR applies as well, because as soon as, so to speak, personal data pollutes the whole data set, then the GDPR is applicable, which, by the way, also means that the data protection authorities will be the competent authorities to rule. And the data protection authorities shall rule. Okay, okay. Berend, what kind of questions are you seeing from clients related to Data Act right now? I know that in my organization we have a project going on to kind of figure out how does this apply to us, but what are other organizations doing? Yeah, that's a really good question. So what, what, what I've seen in uh, the past year is that even though the Data Act was somewhat on the radar for some, I feel that it has been very much overshadowed by uh, what we call the summer of AI. Everybody was talking about AI and the AI Act, and that might still be the case to some extent. But the Data Act, in my view, didn't get as much attention as it should have had. And I think now more and more companies are starting to wake up and understand that it has a material impact on how they run their business and on how they should design their products. Like I said, there have been some uh, companies, especially I, I, I feel in the automotive industry, who have been very much on top of this and who are already negotiating, for example, these access fees, but for, I would say, a very significant number of companies, this is new, but it's also relevant. Yeah, it's absolutely essential. One example is termination rules, which is also are addressed in the Data Act. So against that background, I think uh, uh, more companies should make an initial assessment of uh, where the Data Act can be relevant for them. Also, given that it doesn't only cover data sharing, but also the, the topics that, uh, that Tobias covered. Yeah, I think we're already at the end here. Thank you, Miller. It was great to see you again. We hope you found this episode of Privacy Unpacked useful. If you have a question for Berend or for me or someone else in our team, or even a suggestion for a future episode, please do get in touch. We look forward to your joining us next time.